Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 48 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our little, maybe not so little, but weekly internet radio show talking all about USC. We're approaching our one-year anniversary, so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, this week on the podcast, we've got a lot to talk about. There's coaching changes, there's juniors declaring early or staying in school, there's recruiting. we got all kinds of good stuff to talk about. If you have any questions or comments, as always, just drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Send us a question. We'll try to answer it on the air. And as always, in our first segment, we are joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's going on today, coach? Well, as always, I'm in the left-hand lane, buckled up, riding along here, uh, trying to follow the speed limits. But, you know, there's so much happening in the world of of football right now with the NFL playoffs and, of course, the most exciting time of the year. I love recruiting. And uh, this sort of sets the tone of next year and spring practice and competition and the future for all these universities and an opportunity for a young kid who's worked so hard to have an opportunity to get an athletic scholarship. And from playing on Friday, they now have that chance of playing, I used to say, on Saturday, but now in college football you play just about any day. But, (laughs) hey, welcome. Good to see you, buddy. <laughs> That's a good point, Coach. You used to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now you can play high school on Thursdays. You can play college any day you want. You can play NFL. They'll do on Thursdays and Mondays and Sundays. So, But, yeah, we get what you're saying here. I just want to uh, thank our sponsor for this first segment, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything, check them out, sctickets.com, or you can give them a call if you just want to talk to somebody on the phone, one 800 888 Seven two eight seven, all kinds of sporting tickets. If you need something for concerts, theater, coach, you missed out on Wicked. If you didn't get to see that, that just ended in L.A. But any kind of other theater, I know L.A. is not a big theater town, but Wicked had a really nice run actually. So just give them a call if you need something. Info on tickets. Well, thank you very much, and I do use Southern California Ticket Service. And again, I want to thank you for giving me a call last week when I was down in Miami. We did our show from uh, Miami down there when I was down there for the uh, national championship game. Yeah, did you enjoy that? What was that like? I really enjoyed it. I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of different people. Uh, Dave Perry, the number one guy in charge of all officials in college football. We talked about rule changes and so on. We talked about different things that are happening in college football. We talked to uh, commissioners, athletic directors, uh, then I really did enjoy the game itself because I wanted to sort of size up both teams, Oklahoma and Florida, compared to USC. Because I saw USC on January 1st in person and the entire year, as you know. And I wanted to see Florida and Oklahoma uh, get after it. And it was great to be able to make the comparisons and, uh, and vote in how I think uh, those teams would do against each other. Well, I guess that would beg the question. <laughs> how do you think they would? Uh, how would USC fare against a team like uh, Oklahoma or Florida? And, and, how, and, and did you talk about what your final rankings would be? Maybe you could go into that a little bit. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> personally, I think SC could play with either Oklahoma or Florida. I think they're both tremendous teams. I think SC plays well when they play against great teams. So I think they would bring their game. 
And I think if they brought their game, we saw both of those teams bringing their game. I, I really think that the Trojans could play on a neutral neutral field well against either of those opponents. Now, really, realistically, that was a home game for Florida. You know, it was right there in Miami, and there, there were Gators everywhere and so on. But uh, I think they would have played well there. I think that the Trojans could have beat either team, and as well as possibly they could have beat the Trojans uh, if, if they didn't bring their game. But I thought they could match up well with them. I'd love to see the defense of USC go against both those offenses. I liked uh, Tim Tebow. I like Bradford. They're everything that everyone talked about them being. But I'd love to see Sanchez, too, at his best. And I think what happened to Mark, I really think that that period of time from the last game of the season until the Rose Bowl, he had a chance to rehab his knee, and we really saw him at his best. And I would have liked to have seen him at his best against one of those two teams. No, that would have been a, a, a great thing to see. And even you could throw Utah in the mix, see how they you know, they did really well against no, you, you Alabama. You could throw them in the mix, but they're not going to play with any of those three teams. Oh, really? So you don't think Utah would be able to hang with, with any of them? They, well, they, you know, they handled I think Alabama pretty well. No, I think they're a great team. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think Alabama was as good as everyone raved about the entire year. I really don't believe that. In fact, on most of the polls that I did the entire year, I had them 7, 8, or 9. I don't really think uh, they are yet at their full potential of their couple of their great recruiting classes under Nick Saban. And, and I, I think that Utah went down there. Alabama was reading about the Southeastern Conference and who's Utah. A lot of those kids have never even, they don't even know where Utah is <laughs> from Alabama. They think it's a city somewhere. And uh, they took them lightly, and Utah jumped on them, had a point to prove, and pointed and did it. And congratulations to Utah. But if both teams come ready and understand, I don't think they could play with those others. Do you, you don't think a lot of the Alabama football players are big skiers? They fly out to Utah for all that fresh powder and stuff. Probably not up there, Allie. No, I don't think they are. No, I, don't, I, I don't think they are, but I think they are a good team, but they're not yet as good as what everybody's been raving about. I agree with you, too. I, I don't think it was a great year for the SEC. I, a lot of, I think USC fans will do this. So the SEC was down, and they're getting, they got a little too much pub. And I, I believe that's true. I mean, LSU was ranked all the way up until I think they had five losses or something. You had you know, Auburn in the top five when they, they beat a team three to two. I mean, there was just... They were getting the benefit of the doubt a lot. And, you know, some of that's for good reason because they've had a lot of good teams before. But it doesn't take away that Florida was a really elite type of a team. I mean, Florida was really good. Yeah, the SEC wasn't up to snuff, you know, this year. They just weren't that good. I mean, the, the top to bottom, it just wasn't that good. And Alabama wasn't as good as a, a number two that you would have liked. But Florida was really an amazing team. And that would have been I just it would just been a treat to be able to see USC play Florida at the end of the season. I agree with you 100%. I think that they uh, overrated the SEC this year, and I think that their non-league schedule of all those teams just beat them up too much before they could get to conference play. Yeah, I'm I... being sarcastic, obviously. <laughs> it's kinda... I was going to say, Coach, really, like the Citadel. and uh, Yeah, those are pretty tough. They're tough games. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so let's uh, – we can – you know, I'm glad you had a good time down there in Miami and you know everybody and got all kinds of free meals and free hotels and everything. So it's good to be Coach Hyde. We all know that. Free? What are you talking about? <laughs> free meals? Hey, I got a few free meals, but I had to pay my hotel. I paid my way. I wasn't a, a guest of anybody's. Uh, now I got a ticket and I got in some events and so on, but I don't have the – the customary, you know, press credentials that you have. Oh, okay. Well, I thought your roommate there was like filling the bill for everything. They were just inviting well, you out. Well, you know, 
what I did assign to his room, of course. <laughs> you know, I told you that last week. It was a very nice trip for me, and he had the opportunity to paint for a lot of things, and I thought it was great. All right. Well, okay, there's lots of USC breaking news, and we're going to talk to uh, Dan Weike, who broke some of the news uh, yesterday, a little bit later in the show, but wanted to get your thoughts and your analysis on what's going on. I guess maybe the most shocking thing uh, was Taylor Mays deciding that he was going to come back for his senior year. Uh, you know, he has a chance to be a, a three-time All-American at USC. Just so much going on with him. And, and just he's such a freaky athlete and, by a lot of accounts, the fastest guy on the team, even though he's 230 pounds. Yeah, they'll love him at the Combine. They'll love him at the Pro Day. He hasn't made as many plays, especially in the beginning of the season, but he started making a lot of plays later in the season. But just that's kind of the nature of his free safety position. Uh, it's more of a, a center field type of thing. He's not, you know, breaking up as many passes and stuff like that, but he's out there kind of protecting the rest of the defense. But I, everyone thought that he was going to go just because he's a surefire first round NFL pick. And if you could be, you know, if you can be that, it's hard to turn away the millions. But what were your overall thoughts coming in when, when Mays decided he was going to come back? Well, I have to be honest. I was surprised, but then I started to think about it a little bit and understand why he's coming back. First of all, he's a very loyal Trojan, and I think that uh, it's great to have him back and finish his education and be a part of, of USC football. I think it's a very smart move for him. Secondly, I really feel that the NFL has not projected him as a safety. Uh, as far as a free safety, he doesn't have the bill uh, of a free safety. He is, I hate to say this, too big for that position. He runs fast, he's big and so on, but he doesn't just fit that role. He fits the role of a strong safety or even a linebacker. I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see him take Cushing's spot. You think I'm kidding you, don't you? No, no. I root, huh? I don't, I don't think you're kidding at all, no. No, you, I would think he would be a awesome linebacker because right now in the pros in the NFL they got to have linebackers that can run and cover now he's been doing covering he understands coverages and so on but he's 6'5 230 pounds let's say he gains 20 pounds let's say he goes to to uh 250 and he's 6'5 and a linebacker and let's say oh he loses a step he does he runs 4 4 now wow <laughs> let me tell you here you got a linebacker now that's a first round pick up high, because that's his projected, to me, that's why I would project him to play, okay? I mean, he was a great safety and so on. He tried to make hits, but he wasn't in enough plays. Really, realistically, he wasn't, because no one really tried to go that deep on him, and no one really did hit a deep pass on the Trojans, I don't think, the entire year. So, uh, you know, I think he's coming back to improve his stock, to improve his ratings, to play inside where he can prove that he can hit, he can make tackles, and he'll either play the strong safety position or don't be surprised if he goes to that cushing position with Gallipo and and him there on the weak side, and then I don't know who what what they'll do on the other side. Wow, I mean that that would be really interesting. We're gonna it's gonna be fun, coach, for spring football because there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on. Especially we'll get to Mark Sanchez in a little bit, but if he leaves. The quarterback competition is going to be great to talk about, but we'll have to watch what's going on with Mays. And it's funny, when you talk about NFL safeties, it's definitely become a glamour position. It used to be in the NFL, safeties were the corners that lost a step or corners that weren't quite, you know, they, they couldn't catch, so they couldn't play receiver. They weren't as fast, so they couldn't play corner anymore, so you're, you're moving to safety. But now you've got all these guys that, I mean, they're just specialists there, like the Palomalos of the world and 
Dawkins from from the Eagles. There's so many good safeties out there. And and if you look at the NFL playoffs right now, the four teams left, all of them have really good, you know, Pro Bowl type safeties on them. I mean, it's just it's a it's a power position now in the NFL. So the fact that he is that big, maybe he is projected to be too big and they move him around a little bit, but it'll be fun to kind of see. And and I I was surprised too, but one thing that I thought uh, USC fans had going for him is that he comes from an NFL family. I think if you're someone that you know has never been a part of that and your your family has never experienced the NFL, maybe you wouldn't you, you'd want to go and see what it was like. But because his dad was there, I think you get better advice that way. And you're like, look, it's still going to be there. You can still make your money a year from now. They weren't, you know, it's not like he's hard up and he's going to try to support his family and stuff like that. But the fact that he did come from a family that has experience with the NFL, I think that helped him make his decision to stay, you know, at in college and stay at USC. I, I think it played a part in it. I do. Plus, he talked to players that have played at USC that are in the NFL now, and most of them advised him to stay. So he's a smart young man. I'm sure Pete Carroll gave him his options and told him what he needed and what he had heard, too. And, and it's great. I think he's coming back. I think he's going to be the leader on the defense this coming year. I think it's going to help the defense at USC uh, get more inspired. Uh, they've got great talent there. They've got a couple of new coaches there. It's going to be, I think, uh, a real challenge. And uh, he said great things about Coach Rocky Sito. He loves playing for him and everything else, who's now the defensive coordinator. So uh, I think it's a great move for, for USC and the future of USC defensively and for Taylor Mays. Yeah, okay. Now, I had a little idea, Coach, and I was going to bring this up with Dan Wecky, but I thought it would be better to talk to you about this a little bit. Uh, you know, you're going to come back from your senior year. You want to kind of make a splash. He's not going to be able to make a run at the Heisman because he doesn't return kicks and stuff like that. If you're a defensive player, you need to do that. I, mean, I guess that's a possibility. I mean, if, if Coach Carroll wants to showcase Taylor Mays and get him that Thorpe Award, and you know, get, you know he, he would most likely deserve it. Wouldn't it be interesting if during a game, you know, maybe you pick like San Jose State or something like that. Let me see if this is even feasible as you're being a former coach and stuff. Could you line up Taylor Mays at every position on the defensive side of the ball? Would that be something feasible? Oh, yeah, you can always do something like that, but it's never going to happen. You're not going to do that. He's a team player, and USC, you know, has that type of attitude, and they're not going to highlight him at, at that type of thing. By taking away, let's say, at the San Jose State game, the opportunity for your real punt returner to return punts is game experience that you can't replace. So you're not going to, you know, allow Taylor Mays to run back one punt or something to showcase him or whatever. So it's better not to do that. Let him play the, what he's supposed to play, and let your punt returners, whoever those people are, get the right, uh, I hope the hell they don't get too many punts. Well, I hope they do get a lot of punts, but not too many kickoffs. But the point of it is you want to you practice your game and, and you want to play your players at positions they need to play at. My only concern, really, with USC this coming year, if Mark Sanchez leaves, is the experience that the quarterbacks have had at USC. They really don't have a lot of experience as far as playing time. Remember, Mark's first year, he had a chance to play three or four games as a starter uh, when uh, Booty was hurt. So, you know, I, I have concerns about that. So you have to get reps and Grippo in the middle, and some of these other players need reps. And I, and I just wouldn't uh, do that, because what if you were Stephon Johnson or whoever's returning punts. I mean, how would that uh, make you feel? All of a sudden you're a team player and someone's going to 
return upon and take a turn away from you to do what you're supposed to do. So I don't think that's going to happen. No, I mean, that, that's a fair point. And I, I was just saying, like, if on de- at least on defense, maybe not the kickoff and the punt returns. I don't even know if he would want to do stuff like that. But physically, I mean, Mace could play any position. I mean, he lines up at corner sometimes, uh, you know, when we're in the summer workouts and, you know, has made really good plays. We actually put up a video, a highlight video of Taylor Mays from the last year, uh, just in case he did leave. I put up a highlight video on uscfootball.com. If anyone wants to go see that, it's free content. You can go check that out. But there was a one play in summer workouts where he was lined up at cornerback on Ronald Johnson and made an interception. I mean, he could play physically. He's capable of playing any position in the secondary. As big as he is, you could say he could play any of those linebacker spots. You know, that some of the defensive line might be a little iffy there, but, you know, he could play either end probably, and then, you know, the, the question would be be able to line up. He couldn't play every down in the middle of the, the defensive line, but, I mean, he's just a kind of freaky kid that you really could just, just for, the you know, just for the sake of getting publicity out there, Taylor Mays lined up at every defensive position in one, in one game this year. It, I, I mean, it's more of a stunt or anything, but, yeah, he physically could do it, though. Yeah, let's say he could do it, okay? But you're not going to do it. Let's say he could play barefoot a couple plays, you know? <laughs> Just, uh, but, you know what I mean? But we're not going to – he's not going to do that. You're not going to see Pete Carroll do that. If you want to get some publicity, he takes his shoes off and runs around on the field out there barefoot, okay? <laughs> but but you're not going to do that to a great player because you're not going to take a chance of an injury or put him in a position where he can't be his best. And Yes, he could play a lot of positions. But you're not going to see Coach Carroll do that. Okay, and I didn't mean to be a smart Alex. No, but, no, I'm know, just trying to have some fun, Coach. And what you know, I yeah, you, you give me the reality, and I just want to, I just want to have a little good time with that. So we'll, we'll okay. run that by, we'll run it by Mason Spring Ball and see what he thinks about that. Uh, but I'm sure you're right; the coaches would probably say no. But you mentioned uh, Mark Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, if he does decide to leave, there's not a lot of experience at USC behind him. You do have Mitch Mustaine, who started a bunch of games down there at Arkansas. Uh, so there is some experience there. Uh, he hasn't really seemed to grab the reins all that much when he's had the opportunities. He's just kind of a, a quiet kid. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if Mark does leave what's going to happen with Barkley. I know Carol likes to, to redshirt these guys. But, you know, it's it's looks like it'd be wide open. And Matt Barkley could come in and, and get that job as a freshman and pull a Jimmy Clausen type of deal and, and try to make a four-year run at it, which is something that USC really hasn't had since – Basically, Carson Palmer did it. Does, is Barkley coming in in the spring? Does yeah. he come in early? He's already enrolled. He's, he's already taken classes, so he will be involved in spring football, which gives him an advantage, uh, and that gives him his best shot of, of being in the mix if Mark Sanchez does decide to leave. Exactly, and I think Coach will allow that to happen. If, if Mark Sanchez leaves, I think you've got to give turns to everybody equally, and you've got to have your best guy ready to play. And uh, I think uh, that's going to happen. Carl Smith now coaching the quarterbacks. And uh, I think he'll take a look at exactly all three of these players. And I think it's going to be a very difficult position to fill, not only because of his ability as far as a football player, but because of his leadership abilities as far as his emotion, the way he's on the field, the, uh, he encourages the defense, the offense, the whole team. So you're going to have a different type of leadership if Mark Sanchez leaves. Now, this would be the case, don't get me wrong, this would be the case next year if he stays and leaves too. So, you know, if he's going to leave, he's going to leave, and when he leaves, this is going to happen. So, uh, and you've got players there that can replace him. It's just that 
this year, uh, everyone would like to see him come back. And then, again, these other quarterbacks you hoped would have more experience so that they would be able to replace him, okay? But, uh, you know, I I don't know what he's going to do. He says he's 50-50. A lot of people say he's leaning. He has to decide by Thursday. If somebody listens to this show after Thursday, we'll already know. (laughs) He's going out or he's not. So they know as well as we do. I, I would like to see him come back. You know, he's really only had one year, actually, as a starter, going 12-1 and one isn't shabby. But, uh, you know, right now, the way it looks out there, you know, with Bradford staying and Tebow staying and so on, it makes it very attractive to him as far as to come out. But it's also very attractive to those other guys to come out. So, I, I you know, they have decided to stay because of the program, what it means to them and so on. And I think... Uh, he he has a lot of emotion there to think about leaving USC. I, I really think he does because everybody who's left USC early in most cases, not all cases, have not lived up and really had that much success. And if he was to be drafted by Detroit or if he was to be drafted by one of these teams early, I mean, gosh, is he ready to start? Is he ready to play in the NFL? Is he ready to get beat up? Because these teams really don't have great people surrounding them. So, you know, I would look at that, too, uh, if I was Mark Sanchez, uh, on who's going to take me, what shot do I have to play. Everyone is in a, a, a Ryan. Everybody can't be a Flacco. Everybody can't have I But you can see a lot of these other guys that uh, look at Matt. He was forced in this position to play, and it didn't really help him. But then look at Castle. He was able to sit back and let it happen slowly with with Brady, and, and he's done well. So, you know, you can't rush things. So I'd like to see him stay, but, you know, he's got to do what's best for him or whatever he thinks. No, that's a good point. It, it, there's no magic formula. You know, I got to see Joe Flacco perform against John David Booty and uh, Chad Henney at the Senior Bowl last year. And he definitely had a strong arm, but there wasn't any indication, and none of the scouts I talked to were like, oh, my God, Flacco's head and shoulders better than those other guys. You know, it was just... They were all guys competing. They all looked pretty good at times. They've looked bad at other times. You know, would John David Booty have succeeded if he went to Baltimore or would or with Chad Henney? Who knows? You know, it's hard to tell. But Flacco seems to fit that system well, and it, it really works. And same thing with, you know, Matt Ryan down in, uh, you know, in Atlanta. Yeah, he was a number three pick or whatever. So there, there was more expectations for him. He started from the very beginning and turned a team that was terrible into something good. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of different – it's not just about the the person. It's the system where they go to. Are they going to be expected to play right away? Do they have to, you know, it, the the pressure that's put on those kids, it's tremendous. And it's such a hard position to play. And it just seems to be a really tough position to scout because you really never know which guy's going to come out and do really well and which guy's going to come out and just fail. You're exactly right. So, you know, you just got to let things happen. And, and uh, it's a, you know, I just hope uh, that he stays and uh, allows it to be uh, uh, like the rest of them. I, I understand why he would think about coming out this year, and I understand the, the points of staying. So I just think it's going to be very hard for him to tell the U.S. team and family that I'm coming out early. I, I just don't know if he can do that. But you remember the emotion he had after the Rose Bowl game, after they had won the statements he was making? Hey, it's going to be very difficult to leave here. This is great. It's going to be very difficult to leave here. You know, I'd show him that tape. And, and uh, <laughs> I'd recruit him back. 
That's a good point, Coach. Okay, well, unfortunately, we are out of time. We didn't get to talk about the coaches and stuff yet, but we can chat with you a little bit more next week. i got plenty of shows coming up between now and spring ball, and we'll hopefully be able to talk some recruiting and stuff with you as well. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us today, Coach, and we will talk to you again next week. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Always a pleasure to be with you here. All right. Well, enjoy your time. Are you? What are you doing now, Coach? Are you taking some time off, just having some fun? Yeah, I wish I was taking some time off. I tell you what, I got more things going on. I got to jump in the car now and make it across the freeway, the 10 freeway. I have a meeting in Santa Monica, so I got to be there shortly and then come back to another meeting. I'm never I'm never finished. I'm like you, Brian. Always, always going. Putting a, always putting a Band-Aid on something. <laughs> All right. Well, get, get those Band-Aids done, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much. And again, let's thank our sponsor. Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com if you need tickets for anything. And uh, thank you, Coach. We'll be back after this short break. We're going to talk to Dan Weike about some of those coaching changes we were just getting to. The Parastyle Podcast. We'll be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast. It's our second segment, and as promised, we are joined by uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weike. Dan, what's going on, man? Nothing, just enjoying this uh, lovely weather. Yeah, Dan uh, went back to his home in Michigan. Was it Michigan or Illinois? You live in Illinois? Chicago. Chicago. So he's back in Chicago where the high yesterday was about two degrees, and I let him know I was at the beach for a little while, getting a tan and running on the beach with my shirt off. So not, that's not a really good visual for all you guys out there. But just to prove a point, it was beautiful in Southern California. Dan goes back to to Michigan or Illinois, and, <laughs> and it's really cold. I hate there. you so much. I hate you so much. <laughs> I know. Well, you're coming back in a couple of days, so you'll be happy. Yeah. No, it'll be uh, it'll be nice not to have to shovel any more snow. All right, so there's a lot that we got to get to. Uh, we talked to Coach Harvey Hyde in the last segment. Dan, before we get into some of this breaking coaching news, um, we talked about the Taylor Mays decision, which was uh, kind of a shocker, honestly, to come back. First, I want to get a couple of your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's surprising when you think of a guy who's already positioned, you know, in the middle of the first round, um, virtually everybody, um, <clears throat> as far as like mock draft experts, had had him going somewhere in the range of, you know, 10 to, to 18 at the latest. And, you know, you, you would only think that that stock would go up based on, you know, his strength, his size, and his speed, all, all combine measurables. I mean, he would – and he's a smart guy too. I'm sure he'll test really well. So, I mean, you, you look at those, those you know, variables, 
and he's a guy who could who's really in position to really up his stack. Um, was I shocked? I, I don't know if I'd say I was shocked. Um, you know, I'd heard um, that earlier in the process he was leaning towards going pro. He was telling people that he, he thought he was going pro. And something changed. I, I think, you know, when you start thinking about what you have to lose, like you don't get that year back, you know. You, you, you can always – the NFL pending an injury, the NFL is always going to be there for Taylor Mays. You know, I mean, just with his size, his speed, it's always going to be there. You know, your your final year on campus, your college degree, one last opportunity to play with a team full of your friends. I mean, those opportunities don't exist forever, and this is really probably, I mean, this is the last chance for him to do that. He'll come back as a leader on the defense. I'd say he's probably a front-runner to be a captain on this team next year, and really I think he's going to be the anchor to what they do defensively next season. Now, I think a lot of USC fans are going to want to have the USC Sports Information Department really give him a push for the Thorpe Award just because he's going to be such a freak coming back there. And I, I mentioned this to Coach Harvey Hyde. He wasn't really all that into it, so I want to run this by you. You might have a little more fun with this. Taylor Mays is so freaky. He could line up at any position on the defense, I thought. It wouldn't be funny for against like San Jose State or something. And at least for one play, they had Taylor Mays line up at every single defensive position. Now, I mean, they would get a lot of media buzz and stuff. What do you think about something like that? I think you're the dumbest man alive. Yes. I love- <laughs> no, I, I mean, no, I mean, okay. Yeah, he could play both safety spots. Um, he could probably play outside linebacker. Um, okay, if we start talking about him playing defensive end, we're maybe stretching things a little bit. Um, him playing nose tackle? No, come on. For one play? I mean, like, but who else could do something like that? Like, there's no defensive lineman that could play. Well, I mean, anybody, well, I mean, anybody could do it. You just, I mean, I'm saying he's not going to be good at all, all the positions. He would be but good at any place. He can line up a corner for sure. I mean, he's faster than any of the corners USC has. You know, I mean, it's not, that's not a big of a stretch. He's faster doesn't know that, that, I mean, he might not be as good in cover, in cover skills. He might not be, you know what I mean? I don't know. When was the last time he played corner? Have you ever seen I, I saw. I, I mentioned this to Car- Coach Harvey Hyde. If you looked at the video that we have, um, there's. Don't watch the video you put up. You should you check that me? out. There was uh, one play from the summer. He covered one on one Ronald Johnson at corner and made an interception. I mean, he he would do that during the summer workouts and and excel at that corner spot. So I mean, it's. I don't think it's definitely okay. out of the question. I thought it'd be kind of fun. You give him some buzz, and if you want a defensive back to even make a run at something like the Heisman, he would have to return punts and yeah, kicks guys, and stuff like that. And you know, he's capable of doing that too. I, I don't think passes he or something like that too. Yeah. You line him up know. at you know, the tight end. Ooh, that'd be kind of interesting. Or like what he mentioned, he could play a little quarterback. He could do the wildcat formation sure. and uh, that'd be kind of fun to see. So it would be cool if he comes back, if they kind of gave him a little treatment there and let him and, you know, kind of play around with him a little bit. Yeah. He'll probably play more strong safety and get a lot of the tackles that like Kevin Ellison was getting. Uh, but it, it would be fun if they kind of mix it up a little bit for him. I thought at least, maybe no yeah, one else. I don't no even one know that. I don't even know that he'll do that all that much. To be honest, I, I still feel like his biggest strength and in, in the kind of confines of what Pete Carroll's defense is, is that he makes sure that nothing goes over their heads. I mean, he he's their safety. I mean, he he's their center fielder. That's what he does best. I mean, you think about the plays that he made against Arizona State and the plays he made against Cal, where you know he sep- just separated receivers from the ball on downfield routes. I mean, that's that's what he does. It limits other teams' offenses when they can't stretch the field because they know Taylor Mays is back there. Um, will he play a little close to the line? Some, I'm sure, and run situations and stuff like that. But I really don't – I really, to be honest, I don't – why would you change what do you have him do? 
And why would, okay, and here, back to your point, why would you even risk lining him up at defensive tackle so he could get rolled up and, and you know, blow out his knee or something like that? Wow, you're Come really on. taking the, the downer point of this. I'm just trying to have some fun with the guy and say, you know, put some, you know, Fine, they, they've had that for you know, the, Let him call plays, too. Let him, let him call plays. He can kick field goals. <laughs> He can play every position on the field, and we'll all love him. I really thought that you were going to have a little more fun with this, but everybody shot well, I mean, me down. What do you want me to say? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a great idea. That's the best idea ever since. No, the no, that's true. But I do run the show, so you should say it's the best idea ever. Anyway, we'll okay, see what. It, 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 it is a great idea, boss. <laughs> I, I'm a hundred percent on board. We'll let the peristyle decide how dumb it is, and, and don't be afraid. To, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com if you think that's the worst idea you ever heard, or if you think it's great. Whatever. All right, so um, we are recording this on Wednesday. This will be up Wednesday afternoon. Mark Sanchez, as of now, still hasn't decided. Um, it could come out today. It could come out tomorrow, which is the deadline, if he's going to turn pro or not. Uh, you did get to talk to his dad. You want to give everybody an update of what's kind of going on there? Yeah, you know, I kind of talked to his dad, and I uh, put to him that, um, you know, that there was being reports that there was strong buzz around Heritage Hall that he was going pro. And I asked, you know, had he made up a decision? Had he made up his mind yet? which would lead to the buzz that he was going pro if he was telling people that he's going pro. And Nick Sanchez said he had absolutely not made up a decision yet. Um, he, his mind was still kind of on the fence. He's still trying to figure out what he wants to do. Um, I then asked him, you know, are, are you guys waiting for Sam Bradford's decision? And he said, you know, when Mark chose USC, there were like seven quarterbacks on the roster, and, and that didn't bother him then. His mindset hasn't changed. It's not going to make a difference now. So I think he's really just trying to figure out exactly what he wants to do. I think the two things that he's probably weighing are, is this the best opportunity for him to go pro now, whereas draft position, stock, all of that stuff, what teams are looking at him um, against, is, is, he, is it worth giving up You know, something that he so clearly loves, and that's being the quarterback of the USC Trojan football team. I think that's the decision. I think that's where he's kind of going back and forth on that. Ultimately, um, my gut has always felt that he was going to stay, um, but if you asked me that yesterday, I, you know, on the, on the message board yesterday, I said I thought he was going to go. So <laughs> it's been kind of, you know, I mean, back and forth really through this whole process, something that probably never would have even have gotten to this had he not played so well in the Rose Bowl. No, I agree. And I, I still, my, I thought if anyone would go, it would be Mays, obviously that, that would be the obvious choice. I still think he's going to stay and stick around USC. Um, but you know, we'll see anything could happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he left, but I'd be a little bit surprised, I think, and we'll have to see what's going. He waited so long to become the quarterback, and now that he is, it just seems like I think he'd want to stay one more year and, and do it again. And if not, it'll be a really interesting spring. I mentioned this to Coach Carroll with with the quarterback controversies and stuff. So we'll be we'll be all over that. Now, if anyone wants to check out, uh, I mentioned this in the last segment. We have put up a Taylor Mays video on uscfootball.com. You can check it out. All of his. Great plays from the last year and you, that, that interception he made on Rojo from the summer. You can check that out as well. It's a pretty cool play. And uh, also with Mark Sanchez, we just uploaded a video. We're putting it out on the front page of the site. So a lot of his highlight plays from 2008, there's tons and tons of touchdowns. He threw 30 touchdowns during the regular season. And we, you know, we were filming, just, I think, almost every game we were there with the camera. So we got a lot of uh, his cool highlights and stuff. So you can check that out and and see if he goes or stays, what, you know, what USC is losing or, or what they're getting back for next year. No video from Washington State, if I remember correctly. We don't have video from Washington any, State. Yeah. Any, any Cougar highlights, but uh, that was really, there was nothing really to see there. There wasn't was too a, much up there. That was, that's, it was, just, yeah, it was a, a televised, a regionally televised execution. Um, <laughs> but no, the, um, 
you know, you mentioned you mentioned Mark. I mean, when when you look at the plays that he makes, I mean, he does make NFL throws. I mean, he looks he looks the part. I know, um, being here in Chicago, um, hearing uh, the, the sports talk radio stations when they talk about the Chicago Bears, what they're going to do in the draft. Sanchez's name has come up multiple times. People really like him. Um, if he were to to be around when they pick, um, I think he's somebody that they would seriously look at if they decided to take a quarterback in the first round. But I mean, that's the big that's the big if is that teams tend not to. I mean, um, I hate to drive traffic away from uscfootball.com, but uh, Michael Love uh, with the Orange County Register had a great blog entry yesterday where he went back and looked at um, some past NFL drafts and, and just kind of dissected the quarterbacks that were taken. And, and the conclusion he came to was that really only one underclassman quarterback has been selected, you know, in the last, I think, like eight or nine drafts or something like that has been successful. And, I mean, and, and that would be Ben Roethlisberger. And you know, Roethlisberger was a you know a three year starter, right? So, so yeah, it's, I know. mean, the, the it's going to be tough. It's not impossible, but I mean, the cards would be stacked against you a little bit there. And yeah, uh, I mean, there are names like Akili Smith on that list. You know, Rex Grossman. I mean, there's uh there's some pretty ugly football names. Yeah, <laughs> quarterbacks are really hit so. and miss. We'll have to see. I mean, maybe you're even you know he could fall the second round, and your Detroit Lions could pick him up there with the first pick in the second round. Who knows? Oh so. man, I love I love me some Detroit Lions football. <laughs> So funny, you, Michi- uh, you Michigan guys. All right. Well, there, there was some other stuff that that broke this week with the coaching uh, coaching changes and stuff, and I just want to kind of let you gloat on that one a little bit because yesterday you were the first one that mm-hmm. had this this scoop. So uh, share with us what that was. Well, you know, during the day, a report came out um, in San Francisco that uh, Brian Schneider was hired as the um, USC special teams coach. You know, Brian Schneider from the Oakland Raiders, and the first thought I had was, hmm, um, that's odd because that means they have too many coaches and, you know, obviously somebody would have to go. And the logic, the logical person to go would be David Watson because of Jethro Franklin's hire. So I called up Coach Watson. Um, and Coach Watson's a pretty emotional, volatile guy. I mean, you see him on the practice field. He's always yelling, running around, acting all crazy. Um, and I really didn't know what to expect when I talked to him. I, I thought maybe he would, you know, explode. I thought maybe he would, you know, be a – feel like he was treated unfairly, maybe burn some bridges, be a nice little sexy, um, you know, tabloid journalism story. And in turn, disappointingly, he was just super classy about it. Um, <laughs> I'm teasing. It wasn't, I wasn't disappointed in it. But, you know, he, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, he, he, I think he understood that the cards kind of, the way they felt when, when Nick Holt left for Washington was that if they didn't bring in a defensive coordinator who also had defensive line experience, a guy like Ed Orgeron, um, then they were going to probably have to hire a defensive line coach and a defensive coordinator, meaning that kind of his position was going to be redundant now, and he was probably going to be looking for a job. So he was prepared for it, I think. Um, you know, he's looking around. He's uh, he mentioned about maybe doing some stuff in the NFL, um, working under a special teams guru and trying to add that to his resume. You know, he also told me that he's already, you know, he already contacted Tennessee. And, um, you know, maybe trying to get a job as a special teams coordinator there. Um, another possibility would be him going to Washington and kind of filling the same position he had before. The only the only thing that he said that could be even construed as being anything of, um, I guess, a little salacious would be that, you know, he talked about one of the things that, you know, he wants would be um, the direct quote is, or, you know, I'll have the chance to work on another college staff where I might have broader responsibilities or more say. That's the only thing, really, that kind of says that, you know, I mean, under his situation last year, he just probably didn't feel like he was asked to do a whole bunch. 
No, it's, I think that's true. And it was very well liked, I think, among the staff. A lot of the fans oh, yeah. they gave him a nice tribute. And uh, I think the media really liked him as well. He was just super nice guy. He would come out and he'd talk to you about anything. Anytime you wanted to get some quotes after practice, he would talk to you about anybody. Um, you know, he was a frank guy, but I think he was very loyal to the program and would, you know, kind of toe the company line there. But he would kind of tell you what was going on, too. And I think people liked the fact that he was as honest and had so much energy and just boundless enthusiasm. His nickname was Sweaty just because he'd be out of practice in five minutes. He's covered in sweat, you know, and just would be out there running around playing with the guys. I mean, if they, he would have practiced with a helmet on if they would have let him. And just that's the kind yeah. of guy he was. So it'll be sorry to see him go, but it's really interesting that they're bringing in a special teams coordinator because that's something they haven't had for several years. And uh, it's one of those things that a lot of the fans were harping on for a while as wanting to mm-hmm. see them because the special teams have been so bad. Well, it's the right time for it. I mean, when you lose David Beeler and Greg Nick, you're replacing both your kicker and your punter. Um, the special teams didn't have a huge responsibility um, last year because the team didn't punt all that often. And in kickoff coverage, most of the time, Beeler kicked the ball out of the end zone. So, I mean, they didn't have a huge responsibility in the game plan last year. I mean, obviously, they did some nice stuff. Um, you know, C.J. Gable you know, and Ronald Johnson did both did a really nice job on kick returns. But, you know, I think it's interesting now that you'll see that. You'll also see Todd McNair now spend more time with running backs. I mean, he, he won't have to do as much with special teams. And, and it'll be kind of, you know, you just won't have that redundancy where you have two guys coaching the defensive line. I mean, you'll just have Jethro Franklin there, and that's it. And he'll, it'll be his responsibility. He'll be the guy who's kind of calling those shots. And I think it, it simplifies things. It streamlines the staff. And, you know, now it kind of puts everybody in their the right place, I guess, is the best way to put it. I mean, you're not asking anybody to do anything that they can't do. No, I like it. And there's, you only have so many people who don't know. You only have, I think it's nine full-time coaching positions. You get a couple mm-hmm. of grad assistants. And, that, I mean, that's the framework you have to work with. And you have to kind of pick and choose where those coaches are going to be. And a lot of the, you know, I've always thought they should have a special teams coordinator. They brought one in as a graduate assistant, um, Dennis Slutak, who ended up after his two years, became the uh, director of football operations. And now he's moved on. He's going to do that up in Washington for uh, Coach Sarkeesian. But they were they were way better on special teams when they had a dedicated special teams coach. And uh, that, you know, that Iowa game, the 2003 uh, Orange Bowl, they gave up an open kickoff for a touchdown. It was kind of funny. And, you know, they ended up you know blowing them away. But they brought in a special teams coordinator. And they did really well. And the special teams, it was a noticeable difference when they had someone dedicated. Because the last few years, what they've had is everybody, every coach had a little piece of special teams. And mm. Todd McNair was the special teams coordinator. But, you know, I don't know if he even knew all the kickers' names. Like, it wasn't like he was working with, you know, Greg Woidnick, why are you shanking punts and stuff like that. I mean, that really wasn't his responsibility. Um, everyone, yeah, I, like, I don't really know. I mean, they brought in people periodically to do stuff like that. I mean, and those guys, you know, would work with players and they would come back around and stuff like that. But I mean, I, really, a lot of times those guys are kind of left off to their own devices to go do stuff. You know, and I mean, you look at stuff. Really, the probably the most critical special teams play of the year, and, and in my opinion, was the botched onside kick at Oregon State. I mean, that was a terrible onside kick. Yeah, you and know then, what I mean? you just and don't have a... that maybe. Yeah, you know, um, maybe if you have a coordinator, maybe that's not as bad. And it'll be interesting to see too, because Schneider was a uh, college linebacker; he wasn't a kicker. But I'm sure, you know, being the special teams coordinator, I'm sure he's got picked up a lot of tricks and stuff over the years. Uh, you had a guy like Dennis Lutak, who was a high school—I mean, who was a, a college kicker. So 
he knew you know, yeah well i mean but he was in the kicking game you know he he's kicked yeah. off before as well so it wasn't like he was foreign to that so those are all parts that you know that he's done before so it'll be interesting to see what what schneider brings to the table uh, but just having someone dedicated there that can run all the meetings and and be with those guys throughout the entire practice because a lot of those times they're out on their own the kickers and punters are out on their own it'll be interesting to see how that works but i think it's a good hire uh, i think it's going to help usc in general and you know without the kind of defense that they've had this year you're gonna you know that the, the those hidden yardage that you pick up in special teams is going to be a lot more important in 2009. I, I guess the last thing I kind of want to say about that, I mean, unless you want me to say more about it because you're the boss and you're always full of great ideas, is that, um, you know, it's really, it'll be a really interesting spring. I mean, you know, so rarely will a team that is going to be in everybody's top five anyway next year, it's going to have so many questions in the spring. And it's not like they're unanswerable questions, but it's almost more like just curiosity. Like, I mean, this is a very new staff. It's it's a staff of people who've been around before. I mean, Schneider's the only guy who hasn't coached at USC, but it's still a new group. Um, there are going to be people with new responsibilities, new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Um, you have to wonder how much Pete Carroll's going to have on his shoulders. And, and then you look at a totally revamped defense, the potential of a new quarterback. I mean, really, it should be pretty exciting, and it uh, you know it can't get there fast enough. All right, anything else on the uh... – on the staff that you wanted to talk about because, you know, there has been some, it looks like it's pretty solid right now, right? There's not going to be, shouldn't be any more changes coming. I'd be shocked um, if anything else changed. I mean, really, that would shock me more than anything. I think right now they're set. I think they're moving forwards and I think they're ready. I mean, to make their final push short signing day with this, uh, with the staff they have. Yeah. I got to, I talked to coach rule the other day. He seemed, he was uh, bogged down with recruiting. Um, I think a lot of, you know, Gerard has talked to people on the staff. It looks like everybody's kind of doing their job. McNair's out there still doing the running backs. Uh, you got Rule still, the offensive line. Brennan Carroll's still around doing tight ends. So it's it's going to be, you know, you got bringing in Carl Smith and Morton got the promotion, like you said. So it looks like it's that's all kind of solid there. We, you know, the, the biggest move, obviously, like we said, was that special teams coordinator position. And I, you haven't been around a, a lot, Dan, so it hasn't been. But we've had fans, I mean, every year this comes up. So I, I, it doesn't seem like it's a huge hire, but I think it's going to be something that'll be talked about quite a bit just because of, you know, what we've seen over the years from the special team spot. Oh, and, and I mean, you can measure it tangibly. I mean, you can watch and you can see how the team looks on kickoff returns. You can see if that average improves, you know, you can see if the punting game gets better. You can see if the return game gets better. I mean, you can see if all that stuff, I mean, you can see it, you'll get a sense for it right away. And you'll know if, you know, things are moving in the right direction. I mean, obviously, USC should always be very good on their cover teams because they just have so many athletes. I mean, they're third and fourth string players. I mean, guys like Jordan Gamble are just special team studs because they're so athletic and, and they get down the field so quick and stuff like that. I mean, so really, it should be a strength of the team. And, you know, I think by hiring Brian Schneider, it's going to become even more of an emphasis and hopefully even more of a strength. All right, Dan, well, we'll let you go. We're going to, you know, let you enjoy the uh Below freezing weather out there, and uh, I'm gonna go sledding, man. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Maybe get the luge out for a little bit. Who knows? <laughs> cool. Well, we'll talk to you next week when you're back in uh, sunny LA, talking more about USA football. Sounds good. Everyone else, stay tuned. We're gonna try and run down Gerard Martinez for our final segment, but either way, we'll be talking recruiting. Lots going on as we head towards signing day, so stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. 
USC Trojan fans to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Peristyle Podcast. And as promised, we are joined by Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com recruiting analyst. We've got to run him down. Luckily, we got a hold of him. It's a very busy time of year for Gerard right now. Gerard, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing, just uh, losing sleep. Yes. <laughs> Up late, writing your stories, and uh, yeah, I'm on Hawaii time. I'm on, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Simeone Vaikiti, uh, Stanley uh, Haziak time. You know, with uh, news out in Hawaii, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, kids are just, um, you know, they're, it's it's kind of a crazy time for them too. I mean, right now it's kind of a, a recruiting dead period, and, and the coaches are not allowed to come in and, uh, and and talk to them or do any in-home visits, so they're getting a little bit of a break from it. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of guys are starting basketball and, and, you know, getting home late from basketball and it's just, uh, definitely pushes back the timetable for everybody. So it's, uh, and, and there's a lot more, a lot more out there to, to be covering as far as, you know, getting down to the home stretch to signing day. We are the home stretch of signing day. It's just a few weeks away. We'll know everyone from the class of 2009 or just about everybody. And, the uh, new and final Rivals 100, Rivals 250, which is the top 100, top 250 players in the country list, came out today. So this will be the final one. And there's been a little shakeup for some of the, you know, what USC fans would be concerned about. But the number one player in the country, Bryce Brown, the running back, um, yeah, it looks like, you know, USC had the number one player in the country lined up before Matt Barkley. He dropped down. Uh, wh- what's up with USC and the current number one player in the country, Bryce Brown? Well, it was interesting. Uh, I had a conversation with Brian Butler, who's uh, Bryce Brown's trainer and mentor, and um, down in San Antonio. He was down there for the Army All-American Bowl, and uh, Bryce uh, ended up being the uh, Army National Player of the Year. And Bryce had a, just a spectacular week of practice. I mean, he was definitely one of the best players there. Uh, you know, a lot of people felt he was the best player there. And obviously, in the game, he had two touchdowns, uh, great receiving touchdowns, and and people, you know, look at that as being a guy that's not only you know, six foot, six one, two hundred twenty pounds, and and can cut it up uh, field on the run. But a guy who's also uh, got some good hands and can be a threat in the passing game. So that got a lot of people perked up, and and they decided to go ahead and rank him the number one player in the country. Um, and during that time, which was kind of interesting, just talking to Brian Butler. You know, I talked to him about USC and and uh, with uh, Broderick Green moving on. And there's, you know, at that time there was talk to C.J. Gable might make an early jump to the NFL. I asked him, you know, does USC have been very interested? Have they kind of contacted you guys again about Bryce since Bryce, uh, who's, you know, committed to Miami, had kind of reopened his recruitment? And the, the, the talk was, yeah, USC had contacted them, but there was no interest. Basically, Bryce was just looking at the schools to visit um, the schools that had continued to stay in contact with him, continued to recruit him, uh, throughout the recruiting process, even after he committed to Miami and USC had kind of backed off. So at that point, it seemed like uh, it was a dead issue, <laughs> a dead subject. 
And uh, we come back, and all of a sudden there's some talk like, oh, maybe maybe he is taking an interest in, in visiting USC. So, uh, you know, I got a hold of Brian, and uh, and sure enough, you know, he said, yeah, you know, Bryce decided to give Pete Carroll a call and talk to him about his visit. Right now, that final visit um, that he's going to take, uh, he's only got one official visit date left, and uh, that's going to come down to USC, Tennessee, and Auburn. And uh, we hear it's probably going to be USC. There's a, there's a, there's a better than 50-50 chance that he'll end up taking his official visit to USC. So you know, we'll see what happens. I think it's still a long shot. I, I, you know, he's kind of put it out there, Bryce, um, he's put it out there that Oregon is his leader, and he really likes Chip Kelly. And at the same time, I think the offense that Oregon runs – doesn't necessarily play well to his talents. I mean, this guy's a pro-style running back through and through. And I think you're starting to see with these schemes in college football, they're becoming, uh, you know, a lot more diverse. Players are becoming a lot more niche, and they're, and they're specific players for specific type of offenses. And spread offense really isn't what Bryce Brown wants. He, he needs to get into a pro-style offense. He's going to play some single back, maybe play with some fullback in front of him, and, and get into something, you know, like Auburn was running – uh, back in the days when they had, uh, you know, Cadillac Williams, that's a real, real power type running offense, or that play action type offense that uh, USC and Miami, at least uh, in past years, had run. So I, I think if Miami, you know, depending on their offensive coordinator uh, situation, because they, I think they're still looking for offensive coordinator, to my knowledge, um, I think he'd really probably stay at Miami. Um, and, and there's a long shot still uh, for USC. But like you said, you can come in, take a visit, and, and USC is one of those schools where a visit can change some things. Definitely. It has in the past. We'll have to see what happens. But that would be a pretty big coup for USC getting another five-star guy. And just talk about the five-star shakeup a little bit. Matt Barkley, who went from one to, I believe, down to number 11. He uh, was the MVP of the Under Armour All-Star Game in Florida, so he moved back up to number five. He's the top quarterback in the country again. And you also had uh, McDonald move up, you know, the, the safety moving up to TJ McDonald moving up to, and he's now a five-star guy. And Randall Carroll, a guy who's been hot and cold on USC, uh, dropped out. He's now a four-star guy. So if you want to get your comments on those guys. Well, you know, I, I actually like uh, a lot of these five-star moves that Rivals has made. You know, I don't have much pull over national rankings, um, even though I'm probably the, the national writer uh, of Rivals. I, mean, I don't know if anybody has to call guys coast-to-coast like I do. I'm calling Hawaii uh, one night and calling you know New York the next night. Uh, but um, I, I like what they've done. I think Matt Barkley, I think it was a huge mistake, and I've said this time and time again, uh, moving him from number one, I think that uh, just people got panicky because he didn't have you know great stats this year, and because he really didn't play on a spectacular team. But he came into the Under Armour All American game and he was lights out, and everybody realized you know what the guy still has it. Everything we saw of him as a junior, all the great throws he makes, the the charisma, the poise. He still got it, and, and when you're playing that position, the quarterback position, which is always looked upon as the most important position in football, um, you got to give that guy a high ranking. He's he's going to be very valuable. So uh, they moved him up to five, you know, from dropping him down to I don't know seventeen, eleven, whatever it was, and uh, you know it's it, that that's a good move, but um, I think they could have probably moved him up even higher. Uh, obviously, like you said, you know Bryce Brown with his great. Uh, his great week down to San Antonio. He moved up to be number one. Um, you know, Vontez Perfect in the top ten. I, I think Vontez Perfect right now is ranked as the number one linebacker in the nation. And quite frankly, I don't see a guy that can really physically 
there with Vontez Perfect. As far as a talent, that guy is as dominant as you're going to see. And he's really this year I didn't really see a better player physically than Vontez Perfect. Um, you know, and, and then they've got other guys that have kind of moved in there uh, at the bottom towards uh, you know the five star rankings. And, and T.J. McDonald obviously was the big jump because he was not a five star previously. A guy who we've been kind of lobbying for for a long time, and just you know, I don't know. He's he's huge, and he's and he's got bloodlines, and he's uh, he's just physically a dominant player. When we saw him, when we saw him this summer at the Rising Stars camp, uh, he looked great, and I think that was kind of the first. That was the, where the momentum started building uh, with some of those national guys. You know, this 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 kid T.J. McDonald is the real deal physically. Um, Obviously, what he did in San Antonio capped it off, but the transformation that you've, we've seen from T.J. McDonald over the last year and a half, two years, has been pretty spectacular. I mean, he came in as a, like a 6'2", 180-pound kid to one of our five-star academies a couple of years ago, and then, you know, he comes in, he's about 6'2", about two, almost about 210 um, at the Rising Stars camp, completely filled out, starting to look more like that USC prototype safety. And then at the, uh, at the Army uh, All-American um, practices, you know, he was getting confused with Nico Johnson a lot. Nico Johnson's a 6'3", 230-pound uh, linebacker. Nico was wearing 26, and TJ was wearing 36, and, and you couldn't really tell – the difference wow. if, there's, if, there, if their jerseys were a little, you know, wrinkled or what have you, and the two and the three were kind of getting mixed up. Uh, the only difference is TJ was, was was faster and a little better ball skilled. So, you know, a lot of people were just, you know, really taken back by him, and and he's the big jump, but it's it's very well deserved, and he definitely comes in, and he's another one of those guys that could end up being one of those freakish freakish uh, safeties that USC has planned back there. Now, uh, Randall Carroll, one guy I wanted to mention, he was a five star, you know, speedster. Uh, you know, maybe he's going to come to USC. Maybe he's not. He's, he's committed right now. But you know, and like you said before, he was in the pictures. Um, you know, when you when you guys took a team USC picture at the Army All American game, he wanted to be in there, but we still don't know what's going to happen. He drops down to a four star. This is interesting. Do you think? What do you think the fan reaction is going to be? Is it easier for them to deal with? You know, maybe a decommitment from a kid that's not a five star guy. Does it really matter? Or what do you think on that? Oh yeah, I mean, I think you know a lot of fans do get you know. Ki- swept up in, in the star rankings and, and what have you. I think with Randall, he, you know, I just think he came into San Antonio with the wrong attitude and, and he kind of rubbed off on people and they kind of watched him and they watched his work ethic and, and kind of how he treated the All-Star game. And I think they came away thinking, you know what, he's got some work to do. He's, not, he's got some work to do just, you know, in terms of, of, of being a receiver at the next level, but he's got some work to do uh, maybe in, in being a little more motivated. I mean, they had a race there with uh, with a few different guys, and, and it was one of the first practices that uh, we had down there in San Antonio. And they they had uh, Packer call. They had a few different of the fastest guys, um, you know, kind of take part in this race. And uh, it was a four it was a forty yard dash. And and Patrick Hall, who's you know really more like a ten seven guy, ended up beating everybody, being the fastest man in in, in San Antonio. When you had a guy like Randall Carroll, who's a guy's a ten four two hundred meter guy. Uh, ended up coming in like third or something, and and that was kind of like you know, in that kind of situation, you want to see the competitive juices flowing with top players. And I think you know, with a guy like Randall, he's he's got to he's got to be a little more competitive in those situations, especially if he's going to go to a school like USC, because the mantra there with Pete Carroll is always compete, compete, compete. And when you get into a situation with other great players, that's got to show through. You got to have that competition. You got to really want to be the best. And I think a lot of people. 
just got the vibe to Randall. Maybe he's got to work on that a little bit, and I think that's really the reason why he dropped down um, more probably anything that I that I saw physically from him. All right, and then well, the last thing we want to talk with you, we have a question from Sam. He emailed this in to the podcast. It's kind of a two-part thing. First one, he wanted to know if you, there's anyone you think will decommit from USC that's currently committed right now. I would probably put my money on Randall Carroll. I mean, I think Randall's going through uh, a difficult decision. I think there's definitely some reasons why he still feels like USC is the best school for him. Um, but it seems like there's a big push within his family, you know, to go to UCLA. And uh, it's it's hard, though. It's hard to really to, to, to figure it out. I, I don't know if Randall wants to make the decision on his own. Um, I think if he really, you know, takes the influence of his family, I think, you know, UCLA is in, in the catbird seat. I think that they're definitely um, going to be the, the school to beat. So it's uh, it's tough. Cal, uh, you know, has is, is, is definitely been in there. A lot of the time I've heard from some pretty good sources that Cal's really not in it as much as they were and, and that UCLA is definitely the school to beat. So, I mean, if there was anybody, I, I'd probably say Randall Carroll. You know, Alshon Jeffrey's a guy that's that's – kind of hard to read and he's, he's tough to get a hold of and when, when you did get a hold of him on the phone he doesn't say a whole lot about what's going on he likes to kind of leave it open-ended and say you know I'm I'm still committed to USC but you know we'll see what happens on signing day so I don't know if he's playing that up just to play it up uh, or he's really seriously not sure I think the school there uh, to beat would obviously be South Carolina Okay. And South Carolina fans have kind of pushed for a while that they thought they were going to sway him. Um, but I think that's just basic on logic. You know, I think that's based on this kid's, you know, 2,400 miles away. He's living, you know, real close to South Carolina. South Carolina doesn't lose guys to USC uh, on the West Coast. So that, I think, is, is more to do with it than, you know, necessarily Alshon telling people behind closed doors, oh, I'm really going to decommit from USC. Truth, truth is, I don't think he's telling anybody anything behind closed doors. He's not that kind of guy. He's kind of a tough guy to read, and he keeps to himself a lot. So those guys would probably be at the top of the list. Um, you know, Vontis Perfect is another kid that's looking around. He's down to two schools, um, ASU and USC. He likes ASU because he's got a lot of his former teammates from Centennial there at ASU, and he feels very comfortable with them. Um, ASU's had an ability to recruit him a little harder than USC has here uh, down the stretch of the season because he has those ties with his teammates, and his teammates have been calling him and getting on the phone with the coaches just about you know any time they want to. And so that's a little bit of loophole in recruiting that you know ASU's been able to exploit, and they've been working on him hard. But at the same time, I think that he feels there's there's just a just a huge opportunity at USC with the linebacker situation, and USC's kind of his dream school. It's it's really the school he really wanted to go to. He committed on the spot when he was offered. And I think once Pete Carroll gets into the mix and, you know, these, these head coaches only have one in-home visit uh, during the recruiting process, I, I think that the, and, and his, and his uh, official visit is going to be to USC January 23rd. Those two um, events coming up here, they will be pivotal in his recruitment. I think mean, that's going to be the big, big, you know, the big telling point. You know, where is he going? Well, it depends on his in-home visit and it depends on his official visit. He's going to officially visit uh arizona state this weekend so the next weekend he's going to have uh, his usc visit so we'll see what happened but those those are the you know those are the guys that i guess you could say are are wavering in the soft mode some guys are are you know softer verbals than others obviously okay well we'll keep up with his commitment for sure 
Uh, Vontez perfect because he is a stud, like you said. We got to see him at those camps, and man, he just was killing people. But last thing, real quick, there's a he gave me a few names. Sam sent in a few names. He wanted to know if they would visit USC before announcing their choices. Um, so we can just I'll go through the names one by one. You can just give me a quick update on each one. Uh, Drake, okay. Drake or Patrick? Drake or Patrick is going to Alabama. Okay, so go Tide right. <laughs> or roll Tide. Yeah, he. Uh, I just do not foresee him. A USC at this point. Um, okay. He's uh, he's an interesting player. He's a, he's a six-two corner, and they're hard to come by. And you know, he talked uh, about USC throughout the recruiting process. Was a teammate of uh, Terrell Harris, who USC recruited real hard last year, and and had a little bit of a shot for maybe a moment uh, until he woke up and realized I live in Alabama and I have to go to Alabama. So I think uh, Kirkpatrick came to um, to that uh, realization a lot earlier in the recruiting process, and I would be pretty shocked if uh, he didn't end up at Alabama. Okay, Andre DuBose. Andre DuBose is an interesting story. Uh, kind of the guy that I always talk about being maybe the best player in the country that USC will sign. Um, kind of Percy Harvin uh, this year a little bit, just a just a spectacular slot receiver, uh, a guy that uh, can just do some amazing things with the ball in his hands, you know, kind of in the open field. There's a good chance, I hear, that he might officially visit USC. Now, these things change, you know, all, all the time, especially with kids that far away. Uh, the intriguing part is that he actually just committed to Florida uh, just a couple weeks ago at the Under Armour Home American game. So we'll see how that goes. But I've, I've heard uh, from, from some sources that I have in Florida that uh, he's still very interested in visiting USC officially. So we'll kind of keep our eye on that and, and see what happens with that. So there's, there's a chance. Now, even though he visited, visits uh, USC, even if that happens, I don't know that I would say that uh, USC has a good shot at actually signing him. That's, that's another can of worms entirely. Okay. Uh, Jelani Jenkins. No. Jelani Jenkins uh, seems like he's going to stay on the, 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 the East Coast. And, you know, at this point, I really haven't heard much about USC recruiting him. I think at some time during the, his senior season, they had kind of cooled on him and, and decided to uh, look elsewhere for, for linebackers. Okay. Uh, Adam Hall? Adam Hall dropped USC at the Army All-American game. And, and one of the more unique announcements that we've had, uh, he actually announced that he was uh, trimming his list to three schools, which um, was definitely underwhelming. That was weird, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a little like, uh, what? You know, I think everybody there, you've got you know, 30,000, 40,000 people there, and they're all used to people announcing for certain schools, and he only announced that he was down to three schools. <laughs> and I looked at the crowd, and everybody's looking at each other going, wait, what? That's not, that's not how it works. So, um, yeah, he, he sounds like he's kind of moved on, and, and probably I think it's really – uh, Cal and, and Arizona, and yeah, you know, I get the vibe that I, I think Arizona is probably the school to beat. He wants to play receiver. Having watched him play receiver at the All Star games, um, you know, we watched him play in the Hawaii Prep Classic. He played uh, he played safety in that game, and then there in San Antonio at the Army All American game, he played receiver. We saw him at the camp at USC, the Rising Stars camp. He played both receiver and safety. Over the summer, I would have told you I thought he was a better receiver. I thought he just, you know, he had really good hands. He caught everything thrown at him. He was definitely one of those kids that competed for the ball. He was hungry. He was motivated. Um, definitely seemed to be a focused guy on offense. But at these all-star games, I tell you, I think the kid is, is missing the boat a little bit by, by not playing safety. USC was one of the few schools that recruited him as a safety, and that 
Hawaiian Prep Classic, he looked really, really good as a safety, just much more comfortable, much more natural. Um, he kind of seemed like he was forcing some things there at the uh, the Army game. So, um, But, you know, I mean, definitely his decision, and, and he feels like he's going to be uh, maybe a better impact guy with the ball in his hands. And I think that uh, that's, that's kind of pushing him towards Arizona right now. All right, and then last one, Ruben Randall. Ruben Randall, the former number one player in the country. Very briefly. Uh, as wide receiver. <laughs> now, yeah, now he's, he's dropped a little bit. Um, you know, I, I haven't really heard much about him lately. There was some talk that uh, he was uh, – well, he had mentioned USC in several articles as being a school in his top five that he wanted to visit. But, you know, as of um, – Last two three weeks down there in in uh, in, uh, in San Antonio, that kind of that talk had subsided. So, this point kind of seems like um, it's it's going to be a Bama maybe LSU thing. Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm hearing. Uh, USC not really in the mix. Uh, maybe the, the the surprise guy that's uh, not on that list that USC is uh, scheduled to get an official visit from is uh, Orson Charles, six uh, two. 6'3", 230-pound tight end slash H-back slash athlete from Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, you know, with uh, the decommitment of Merle Presley, uh, they've had, uh, you know, they, they picked up some contact with Orson, who they, you know, offered a scholarship pretty early in the process, but uh, it seemed like with Merle Presley that just wasn't going to really happen. It was, it was just not really going to develop much with his recruitment. Well, when Merle Presley decided to decommit and go to UCLA, USC picked up the recruitment of, of Charles again, and he seems interested. And he talked about visiting either you know, after signing day, which is uh, February 6th, um, I'm not really sure how that works out. I mean, guys, you know, Terrell Pryor kind of set a little bit of a precedent as far as, you know, extending his uh, his his recruitment well beyond signing day. I don't know if that's going to happen with Charles or not because I've heard, uh, you know, maybe coming January 30th, uh, I've heard February 6th. We'll see how that works out. It's it's interesting. You know, USC's not real deep right now at tight end. Uh, the funny thing is, it's, uh, you know, everybody talks about, well, hey, you know, they've got Anthony McCoy and they've got Blake Ailes. I think, you know, when people look at the depth chart, somehow they see Blake Ailes as being like three guys. You know, Blake Ailes is one <laughs> guy. They've got Red Ellison. They've got three guys on the depth chart right now, basically. Right. And one of those guys is a senior. So they really would like to get, I think, a tight end in this class. And, and Charles is – you know, the only guy really left on the board. Um, next year, you've got two very good players uh, in California that they'll have a shot at. Randall Telfer from Ranch Cucamonga who's about 6'5", 220, 225-pound uh, tight end who's much more of your prototype kind of tight end, big guy. He's, got, he's a pretty good blocker. He's a kid still kind of growing into his body. And they've also got uh, a kid on the radar, Christian Thomas, who they actually offered a scholarship to. He's closer to Orson Charles, and that's about 6'3", about 235, 240, um, really quick, really fast. I mean, his his highlight tape is, is great from his junior year. Um, but uh, that's for next year. I mean, those are 2010 guys. I think uh, in terms of the you know the, the, the turnover from class to class, they would like to get a guy in this class. And right now, Orson Charles is the only guy that uh, they've uh, I think they've got on the board, or the only guy that seems like um, you know they're they're recruiting really hard. So we'll see what happens. But that'll be a that'll be a last minute signing day, maybe post signing day recruiting story for all the Trojan fans to get into. Yeah, well, I'll get into that. And unfortunately, Gerard, we are way over for this podcast, so we're, yes! uh, no problem. <laughs> but I gotta go. Thank you so much for sharing I all your insights. I gotta cut into Dan's time. Uh, that's, we, that was my 
my motivation going through the whole thing. Just, ah, just I need to get you on. Be- I'll get you on before Dan, so we'll limit his time instead of limiting yours. But uh, awesome! I'll just talk over him. Like that, people would dig that. I, I think they would. We'll have you all on the same time, maybe. <laughs> but thanks again for joining us, and we'll. Uh, it's going to be a crazy few weeks, so step, definitely stay tuned to uscfootball.com. Gerard will have his finger on the pulse of everything about recruiting and breaking all the kind of stories. We'll have the war rooms on Friday. So everything will be going on. Check it out on uscfootball.com. Thanks again, Gerard. Yeah, no problem. Everyone else will be back next week with another Peristyle podcast. It's getting fast and furious. More recruiting, more talk about coaching changes, juniors leaving early. We'll have it all. Check it out next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.